Let's begin by talking about housing. This week, the federal government announced a variety of programs to address our nation's housing challenges. Critics have called the federal effort barely a drop in the bucket when it comes to meeting the needs for more housing in our country. CMHC has said Canada needs to build 3.5 million new homes by 2030. Uh, That is nationally. Joining me now to discuss the issue is the man in the center of this conversation. Sean Fraser is the federal minister of housing, infrastructure and uh, communities. He joins us now. Mr. Fraser, thank you for uh, speaking to us today. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Walk me through uh, some of this, some of the uh, announcement uh, that some of the actions that uh, your government has talked about in regards to the fall economics, uh, uh, economic statement. How much of an impact do you think um, the announcement around housing will have in Canada? Uh, My view is that it's going to have a significant impact. Uh, We, of course, previously announced a suite of measures, including the Uh, elimination of the GST on uh, new apartments that are being constructed in Canada and continue to benefit from programs that were previously announced that are funding projects uh, over the past few years to build more homes. Uh, But specifically, with the recent fall economic statement, we've got measures that are primarily uh, directed at building more supply in the market. In particular, a $15 billion recapitalization of our low-cost financing program, the Apartment Construction Loan Program, is going to benefit by uh, building uh, tens of thousands of units across Canada. Uh, In addition, uh, direct support for affordable housing through a new $1 billion fund and co-op housing supports to the tune of $300 million uh, is really going to help uh, get uh, housing built across the country. In addition to these measures, we're uh, supporting some provincial efforts, including in B.C., uh, when it comes to cracking down on short-term rentals by changing the tax treatment for those kinds of properties and are continuing to put measures in place that support people who are dealing with a higher cost of borrowing when they seek to renew their mortgages through the establishment of a, a mortgage charter. There's a number of measures uh, that we've advanced recently that help build on our previous uh, efforts to get more homes built in every corner of this country. Minister, one of the challenges, of course, we have a robust immigration system as well. Many people moving to Canada. We are a country of immigrants. Uh, But the numbers have been quite significant. We're going to be hitting half a million by 2025 and 2026. Add to that international students, temporary foreign workers. Uh, We are still going to have a shortage of housing simply because of a very robust immigration system as well. Has there been any talk of reducing immigration, even temporary foreign workers, uh, uh, international students, because we are still not as a country, federally, provincially, and municipally, not building enough housing to deal with the demand? Uh, My view is that we have to be uh, very careful to protect one of Canada's most competitive uh, economic advantages, uh, which is the fact that we are a uh, beacon for skilled newcomers from around the world who wish to work in Canada. The permanent residency numbers uh, do not give me concern because... Many of the people who come are already here, and the economic benefit uh, of welcoming uh, significant numbers of new permanent residents is enormous for Canada. There are some challenges when it comes to the temporary programs you mentioned, and particularly the international student program and the temporary foreign worker programs. Now, let me just say, international students and workers who come temporarily also provide immeasurable benefits to Canada. In addition to the massive contribution to our GDP, In many instances, we're dealing with a pipeline of talented people who will call Canada home permanently one day and become Canadian citizens. But we have seen that uh, different organizations and institutions are uh, ramping up their desire to bring people through these programs. 
you look at the international student program in particular, I have concerns about some private colleges, and they're not all the same, by the way, Mm -hmm. who I believe are exploiting the program for their personal financial gain rather than for the benefit of the communities in which they're situated. We are moving forward with a trusted partner model that will provide preferential access to study permits for institutions that have a history of treating students well and who including uh, uh, support them, including by providing housing for the student body that they support. There is more we can do to make sure institutions have access to the program if they provide these kinds of supports. But we also must work with provincial governments who make the decisions about which institutions qualify for that particular program. Mm-hmm. The reason I ask that question is, you know, you could look at different stats. Uh, uh, CMHC says we need to build three and a half million more homes by 2030. Uh, Royal Bank is saying we need to build about 800,000 homes per year. We're averaging, I think, around 220 to 240,000, depending on what study you look at. That still leaves us a short every single year amount of houses that need to be built for the amount of people coming in. Uh, I mean, how do we fix that, whether it's 250,000 people who may not have homes based on these numbers? How do we build to the point where we are able to house people uh, when rents are going up significantly? There's still a shortfall of housing every single year with new newcomers coming in, natural gain in our population as well. How do we deal with that, that, that portion that is still not being addressed? We still have more people coming here compared to the houses and housing that we're building every single year. Uh, I understand the uh, the argument, and I think if we're going to talk about how we build the supply that we need, and that estimate by CMHC, by the way, uh, made the assumption that we would continue to increase our immigration levels along the current trajectory and level off in the way that, that the numbers presented in the recent immigration levels plan, in fact, has chosen to do. Um, but to increase the pace of building, there's specific things we need to do. Mm-hmm. We need to make the math work for builders by removing taxes like the GST, by providing low-cost financing, including through the program that announced $655 million of, uh, worth of loans in British Columbia just last week to build almost 2,000 new units. And we need to continue to find ways to leverage federal land and other public lands held by different levels of government to reduce the cost of building. In addition, we have to continue to invest in affordable housing by making sure that low-income families have a place that they can afford to live. And we also need to change the way that cities build homes by incentivizing municipal reforms that it can systemically produce more housing, which is what we're doing through the Housing Accelerator Fund. After we clear some of those obstacles, we will need to increase the productive capacity of the Canadian workforce by investing in skills training and development, by targeting immigration programs that welcome people who have the skills that we need through direct uh, uh, policies that are aimed at selecting those workers specifically, and by making investments that are going to help us build more homes and factories by embracing technology uh, along uh, modular panelization, mass timber, and 3D printing lines to allow us to actually produce a number of homes once we sort out some of the municipal zoning reform and financial supports that we can put in place to incentivize building. There's no silver bullet, but if we attack each of these smaller constituent problems behind the uh, housing productivity, we can grow the productive capacity of the Canadian economy to produce the homes that we need to support a population that continues to grow. Now, uh, within your comments, you said you, you know, the government has removed the GST uh, to further uh, push for greater rental housing being built. But here in uh, Metro Vancouver, the regional government here um, has introduced or increased development cost charges. Essentially, their argument being that growth must pay for growth, uh, i.e. 
sewer pipes and everything else that the regional government is, is responsible for. Um, there have been concerns by the federal government because of that, because those costs have gone up significantly. How do you get around you as a government, a federal government, offering GST rebates, yet all of those savings are then eaten up and then some by uh, these development cost charges uh, increasing? How do we fix that problem? So uh, there's a couple of key points to understand in response. I, I do have concerns when I see the magnitude of the proposed increase that uh, uh, Metroban has now adopted. Um, in fact, we are working towards uh, deals uh, through the Housing Accelerator Fund with some of the uh, constituent municipalities within the Metrovan board. Um, I find it challenging when you're dealing with uh, a, a rise in the cost of building to assume that it won't impact the number of homes that can be built. There is a role for development cost charges to play, but when you see a significant increase, it can eat away at some of those policies, uh, such as the GST that we put in place to reduce the cost of building. Now, we are also dealing with some of Canada's leaders when it comes to home building that uh, exist within the metro van region. Um, we're going to work with those communities to develop plans that will allow them to demonstrate they can continue to hit the uh, benchmarks that they've committed to before we conclude agreements that we're working on now. But in addition, I should point out as well, there's recent changes made to legislation in British Columbia that draws a clearer frame around both development and amendments that will prevent the, uh, uh, the, the overall cost of building from going up for things that are not necessarily needed to actually build more properties. My own view is that when uh, new people move into a community, new workers come to a community, they contribute their skills, their energy, and uh, build a vibrant and dynamic communities, and that everyone benefits from that. So to assume that uh, uh, new growth uh, should pay for new growth exclusively ignores the value that uh, new construction and new families moving to a community provide to the people who already live there as well. So if the regional government sticks to its guns and saying, look, we're going to continue with these DCC changes, DCC development cost charges, uh, does that mean essentially the GST uh, program that you're offering in regards to limiting GST for rentals being built, that Vancouver just will not be part of the federal government's uh, program at the end of the day because the regional government sticks with this. I'm going to assume there's going to be no dollars available uh, for the region when it comes to removing GST on purpose-built rentals. So the GST measure, by definition, as a federal tax policy, must apply equally in every part of the country. And it will still have an impact to uh, allow more homes to be built, because if the development cost charges go ahead, um, uh, the impact of removing the GST would make the problem worse, which is something we want to avoid doing. So the separate from the uh, policy to remove the GST for new apartments, we're engaged in conversations with several metro van municipalities about direct financial support to implement new kinds of systemic reforms to build more homes through the Housing Accelerator Fund. We have uh, uh, been discussing how we can overcome some of the challenges presented through the development cost charges. And most recently, we've been in touch with the metro van uh, board representatives who indicate a willingness to look at other measures that they can put in place to ensure that development cost charges don't impact the basic construction and to look at what other supports may be put in place so the construction of purpose-built rentals is not diminished as a result of policies they've adopted. There is more work to do, in my opinion, but I find we can overcome challenges by working together, by taking meetings, by uh, having our teams work closely with one another, and to pick up the phone once in a while uh, to identify paths forward. 
my desire is not to have uh, a, a spat with any one uh, city in Canada. It's to build more homes in every city in Canada. And I'm uh, confident that we're going to be able to work with the Metro Van uh, municipalities to continue to support home construction there. And uh, my, my sense is that's something that those municipalities would like to see as well. Minister, my final question to you. I was reading the paper the other day, and I believe it was the Ontario Premier, uh, Doug Ford, who con- concerned about um, a jurisdictional uh, overreach. And we have the same problem here between provincial and municipal as well. But it, uh, in this case, uh, Premier Ford was complaining about the federal government dealing directly with municipalities. Uh, do you still think that's the way to go? Uh, do you worry that the, that may irk the provincial government and saying, look, we should be part of this conversation. You shouldn't be going around us dealing with specific municipalities. How do you, how do you answer that? Uh, by continuing to work with municipalities to help them build more homes. If uh, provincial governments have concerns, uh, they can implement some of the reforms we're incentivizing through the powers that they have already. Uh, I I find it difficult to accept from Premier Ford uh, that we should not fund the cities that Ontario has not been funding or or changing the rules for. Um, To the extent we can also work collaboratively with provincial governments, I think it's incumbent upon us to do that. But the housing accelerator fund that motivated those comments is demonstrating that it's working. We're changing the way that cities build homes in Canada by putting federal funding on the table to help cut red tape, uh, implement permitting reforms to issue permits more quickly, and to increase the ambition to get more homes built by allowing more density near transit, near post-secondary institutions, near job opportunities, and near key services. Uh, When a program is working in the middle of a crisis, it would be a grave mistake to take your foot off the gas pedal at a time when you're having real progress that's showing results in communities across the country. So I'm going to continue to work directly with cities who are demonstrating the level of ambition that will get more homes built. And if the provincial governments would like to join us, I would more than welcome their participation. And I should say in particular, British Columbia has been an excellent partner. The work that they're doing to get more homes built aligns perfectly with the ambition of the federal government, and we're going to continue to do what we can to adopt the kinds of reforms we're seeing in B.C., in other provinces and communities. And if it means we have to work directly with cities, uh, that's okay with me. Minister Fraser, thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.